Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Writing Cabin with Tara Benner. I'm author Tara Benner, and this is my cabin. We all need to escape into story from time to time. So come on in, sit down by the fire, pour yourself a nice hot cup of coffee, and let's talk books. Now, today we have a very special episode where instead of our usual show, I am reading part of a short story that I wrote way, way back for my patrons. Um, It's an exclusive story that's never been published, part of the Witches of Mountain Shadow universe. This one is called Black Cameo, and today I am reading part two. So if you missed last week's episode, go back and listen to part one. I didn't emphasize it enough last week, uh, but this short story does contain one pretty giant spoiler for Dark Witch, and a smaller spoiler for something in Wesley's personal life um, that takes place in a later book in the series. Um, So if you are still on books one, two, or three, maybe hold on to this one for later. Um, But without further ado, here is Black Cameo Part 2. Bellamy led them into the kitchen, where industrial stainless steel appliances gleamed in the glow of the oil lamp. I'm catering a 50th wedding anniversary the day after tomorrow, he explained. The couple wanted angel food cake with a strawberry glaze. I made 10 separate angel food cakes that were supposed to be stacked into three tiered cakes. I came in this evening to find them like this. Bellamy shone his lamp onto the counter, where he balanced 10 cake pans upside down over glass soda bottles to cool. Around each soda bottle was an angel food pancake. All ten cakes had fallen out of the pans and collapsed onto the counter. I've never had that happen before, said Bellamy, sounding slightly tearful. They're all ruined. I have to start over. Plus, I bought a hundred dollars worth of organic strawberries for this. Look. He shuffled over to the refrigerator and opened the door. Fiona and Eleanor wrinkled their noses, recoiling from the putrid smell. Sixteen plastic cartons were filed neatly into the fridge. The fruit inside was black and moldy, as though it had been rotting for weeks. It's not just the food, Bellamy went on. I found windows open that I know I closed. Doors have been slamming all over the house, and the wailing is starting to scare away my guests, and I can't afford to lose any business right now. And you think a ghost is responsible? asked Eleanor. She sounded as though she had her doubts. Yes, said Bellamy, somehow managing to sound both desperate and annoyed. Fiona met her sister's gaze, and Bellamy puffed out his chest indignantly. I knew you wouldn't believe me. Fine, follow me. I'll I'll just show you. Once they'd found Bellamy's flashlights in the emergency preparedness kit, they followed him back through the parlor toward the rickety old staircase that led up to the guest rooms. With only the dim beam of a flashlight lighting their way through the downstairs, Fiona had to admit the place gave her a chill. And not in the figurative sense that she was spooked. There was definitely a draft. It caused the long lace curtains to billow, making Bellamy jump before rushing over to shut a window that he swore he hadn't left open. The steps creaked ominously as he led the way upstairs, and Fiona kept her flashlight trained forward so she wouldn't have to look at the creepy black-and-white photos that lined the wall. When they cleared the landing, Fiona jumped. Three pale faces were staring back at them, but it was only their reflections in the gilded mirror that hung opposite the stairs. 
The entire house was decked out in antiques, but she'd never found the inn creepy until then. They followed Bellamy down the narrow hallway toward the servants' quarters where he slept. It was freezing inside the room. Another window had been left open. Rain was spraying in from the outside, and Bellamy rushed to close it. Lightning flashed outside as he did, streaking the whole room in silver. He crossed to the antique writing desk, his face strained with dread. After I finished with the cakes, I came up here to get the cameo pendant. I wanted to take some pictures so I could sell it. This is what I found. There was a clatter as he opened the secretary desk and withdrew the pendant from a drawer. He held it out for Fiona to see, and she reached out to take the pendant. The instant the gold chain pooled in her palm, Fiona could tell that something was different. She could no longer feel the tingle of ether. The locket felt cold and lifeless. She held up her flashlight to examine the pendant, and her heart leapt in her chest. The front of the locket was a smooth jet black, but the ivory carving of the woman was gone. Fiona turned it over to look at the other side, but the back was just plain yellow gold. She looked at the front again, convinced her eyes must be deceiving her. She's gone, Fiona whispered, looking up at Bellamy. Her stomach clenched at the side of his face, which was shadowed in the glow of the flashlight. No, she's not, Bellamy replied. She's watching us right now from that painting behind you. Fiona whipped her head around and lifted her flashlight to the picture on the wall. It was the oil painting of the farmhouse, situated on a rolling field of hay. At first, Fiona didn't understand what Bellamy meant. The painting looked just as nondescript as it had upon first glance. But then something moved near the edge of the frame, and Fiona saw her like a trick of the light. The ghostly figure of a woman with flowing white hair, sitting on a split-rail fence. The woman stared back at Fiona with empty eyes, eyes as cold as a marble statue. Fiona might have thought that Bellamy was playing some kind of prank, if the woman's long curls didn't seem to blow in the wind. She was a dead ringer for the woman in the cameo pendant, no doubt about it. As Fiona gaped at the painting, the corner of the woman's mouth lifted in a smirk. Then she disappeared. Fiona drew in a sharp breath, staring at the spot where the woman had just been. She could have sworn she'd seen something there, but when she took a closer look, there wasn't anyone sitting on the fence. She's gone, Fiona whispered. Yeah, she does that. Who's gone? demanded Eleanor. Fiona could tell from her sister's voice that they were freaking her out. The woman, Fiona stammered. The woman from the pendant. She was just right there. Where? In the painting. Didn't you see? Fiona broke off as the realization hit her. Eleanor was a vampire, so she wouldn't have seen the woman at all if she was a spirit. You don't think, Fiona spluttered, staring down at the empty black pendant where the woman had been. You think her spirit escaped from this thing? I don't know what to think, said Bellamy darkly. Only that whoever hid the necklace in that desk was trying to be sure that no one ever found it. Eleanor took the necklace from Fiona, turning it over and examining it carefully. The woman you saw in the painting just now? She was in here before? Fiona nodded. It was just an ordinary cameo pendant, though I could tell that something was off. How was I supposed to know that some creepy woman's spirit was trapped in it? Bellamy snapped. Oh, I don't know, said Fiona. Maybe because I told you the thing was buzzing with ether? Always a bad sign in my experience, Eleanor agreed. Whatever, said Bellamy. Never mind that now. Bellamy, think. 
Did you do anything that could have provoked her spirit? No, he cried. I swear. I just took the locket out of the desk so that I could snap a few photos. I polished the chain. I did finally manage to get the thing open, but there was nothing inside. You opened the locket, said Eleanor incredulously. Well, that must have done it. Fiona looked at her sister. You think the locket was keeping her imprisoned? Eleanor shrugged. Makes sense. Behind her, the door slammed shut, and they all jumped at the sound. Fiona's heart was pounding in her chest. She really didn't like being stuck in the old house with a spirit on the loose. Bellamy allowed a girlish shriek, leapt toward the door, and twisted the knob. When it didn't open, he gave it a frantic tug and let out a panicked, No! Fiona crowded in behind him and tried the door herself, but it seemed to be locked from the outside. We're locked in, Bellamy shrieked, sounding much more panicked than the situation called for. He continued to yank at the knob with both hands, but the door remained stubbornly closed. It's all right, said Eleanor. Spirits aren't usually malicious. We just have to figure out what she wants. I don't care what she wants, Bellamy wailed, crossing to the window and heaving it open. I'm getting out of here. Stop, said Fiona. We're on the second floor. How do you plan to... But before Bellamy could climb out the window, the bottom pane slammed shut. It happened too quickly to be at gravity alone, and they all leapt back at the crash of glass. But the pane of the window hadn't broken. The glass had flown out of the squatty cabinet below it. Shards of glass littered the red carpet, mixed in with bits of porcelain. Fiona stared. The broken cabinet held at least two dozen humble figurines, all of them rosy-cheeked children carrying baskets, singing, or playing musical instruments. Only they weren't so rosy-cheeked anymore. Each and every one of them had had their heads broken off, though their bodies remained intact. "'My Hummels!' Bellamy cried, staring at the wreckage in horror. "'Creepy!' said Eleanor. Bellamy fell to his knees and started combing the carpet for anything that might be salvaged, picking up a shattered cheekbone that had belonged to the girl with the pig. "'Do you have any idea how much those were worth?' "'A lot more than they are now, I'm guessing.' A shiver rolled down Fiona's spine as she tried the door again. This time, the knob turned easily, and the door opened with a creak. "'Let's get out of here,' she said. We'll figure this out in the morning. A loud sob in the next room cut her off. You hear that too, right? Someone was sobbing loudly in the next room. The cries echoed through the upstairs hallway. Eleanor shook her head, but Bellamy shivered. That's her. Fiona followed the sound to the nearest room, turned the knob, and pushed the door open to reveal a canopy bed sprinkled with rose petals. A bottle of champagne sat in an antique wine bucket next to a giant jacuzzi tub. Above the bed hung a painting of a man and a woman, pale, plump, and stark naked. They were posed in a garden and staring lovingly into each other's eyes. The ghostly figure of the woman from the pendant was crouched behind a log near the edge of the picture, her head buried in her arms. At the sound of the door opening, however, the woman's head jerked up. She stared at Fiona with a look that Fiona could only describe as demonic before jumping to her feet and fleeing the painting. All of a sudden, the wailing stopped. Nice painting, remarked Eleanor in a sarcastic tone, though she couldn't have seen the spirit. This is the lover's grotto, sniped Bellamy, pointing to a little gold plaque posted outside the door. I normally get two ninety-nine a night for this suite, but since it's now the spirit's wailing room, I had to tell the newlyweds that booked it that I was having the place fumigated. 
Nothing like a wailing spirit to kill the mood, Eleanor mumbled. Is this the only room she wails in? Fiona asked. No, she also wails in my honeymoon suite. Can you show me? Bellamy nodded. That suite's booked for the night, but the guests haven't returned. They were headed to the winery in Black Forest. I'm guessing they had a few too many drinks and decided to stay the night there. Casting one last glance at the big canopy bed and the creepy painting, Fiona followed him down the hallway to another little half-staircase. It was similar to the staircase in the Grimes' house and led up to a pair of double doors. The wooden steps creaked under the plush pink carpet runner, and the narrowness of the staircase made Fiona feel claustrophobic. The walls were covered in striped rose wallpaper that really leaned into the B&B's granny aesthetic. Fiona supposed some people might like to honeymoon here, though it wouldn't have been her first choice. Before they'd even reached the top step, the wailing started up again. It echoed loudly in the narrow space, and Fiona's heart beat faster. Bellamy gave a perfunctory knock before fishing his keys out of his pocket. He opened the doors and squeezed against the wall to allow Fiona and Eleanor to pass. Immediately, the wailing became deafening, and Fiona cringed at the sound. The suite was dark apart from the scant light that shone through the floor-length lace curtains. Fiona cast the beam of her flashlight around the room and jumped as two pairs of eyes gleamed back. She shrieked and dropped the flashlight on the carpet, but Eleanor let out a giggle. What is so funny? Fiona hissed, averting her eyes and backing out of the room. Apparently, Bellamy had been wrong, and the couple had returned. It's just your reflection, Eleanor teased, whipping her flashlight back and forth across the wall opposite them. Fiona chanced a peek. A king-sized bed dominated the circular room, but it didn't have a canopy. Instead, it boasted an enormous Art Deco headboard made entirely of mirrored glass. Each graduated panel was an individual piece reflecting back at them. Fiona looked around the room, searching for the wailing spirit. The bed was unmade, and clothes were scattered all over the place, evidence of Bellamy's guests. What little floor space wasn't taken up by the bed was occupied by a generous half-moon soaking tub with matching terry cloth bathrobes hanging on either side. The theme of this room seemed to be 1920s fairy tale. An Art Deco illustration of a man in a top hat kissing a woman in a ball gown hung on the wall by the tub. The background was a canopy of trees hung with black Spanish moss, and in one corner of the frame stood the wailing woman from the pendant. The moment she spotted Fiona and Eleanor, her eyes narrowed in a glare. She let out an indignant scream and bolted out of the painting. Something white streaked across the mirrored headboard, and then there was a loud pop. The mirrored panels of the headboard seemed to explode, spraying glass in every direction. Fiona and Eleanor screamed as the mirrors shattered, and there was a secondary crash from behind them. Bellamy shrieked. He dropped his oil lamp, and the oriental rug had caught fire. Half a second later, the doors slammed shut, and Fiona's stomach clenched with dread. My headboard, he wailed. Forget the headboard, Eleanor yelled, grabbing the end of the bedspread. In one fluid motion, she whipped it off the bed and threw it over the fire. But rather than smothering the flames as she'd intended, the corner of the comforter ignited. Shit, she hissed as the fire alarm sounded. Water, gasped Fiona, lunging for the soaking tub. She dumped the bottle of champagne out of the ice bucket and shoved it under the tap. Thick black smoke was filling the room, making her cough and cover her mouth. 
By the time she had a bucket of water to douse the flames, the entire bedspread was on fire. Sprinklers, Bellamy choked, pointing up at the ceiling. But the sprinklers didn't come on. I'd get those checked if I were you, Eleanor wheezed, trying and failing to beat down the flames. It's her, Bellamy coughed. Why is she doing this to me? Can we worry about that later? yelled Fiona, feeling her way through the smoke-filled suite until she reached the door. She tried the handles, but the doors wouldn't budge. Bellamy, it's locked. Unlock it, then. I can't. Do you have a fire extinguisher? It's out there, he wailed. Fiona's chest clenched with panic. The rug was almost completely engulfed, and they were trapped three stories up. Tightening her grip on the brass handle, she threw her shoulder into the door. This time, the handle turned easily, and the door swung open with ridiculous ease. Fiona's momentum carried her forward, and for a split second, she was airborne. She let out a scream as she flew down the stairs. Her feet never touched the ground. She crash-landed at the foot of the steps, and her shoulders screamed in agony. Fiona! It was Eleanor. I'm all right, she groaned, wincing as she tried to sit up. She was pretty sure she'd dislocated her shoulder. Either that or she'd broken something. But before she could take stock of her injuries, Bellamy bolted past her. He snatched a fire extinguisher off the wall a few doors down and rushed back up the stairs. She heard a whoosh as he doused the flames, and Fiona collapsed on the carpet. That's it, came Bellamy's voice. I'm fine, thanks, Fiona grumbled. Bellamy didn't respond right away, but Fiona heard him stomping around. A moment later, he reappeared with the framed illustration of the lovers tucked under his arm. If she can't occupy the paintings, she can't destroy my inn. Fiona thought his logic was sound, but she couldn't bring herself to move. She was pretty sure her right side was shattered. She was afraid to find out for sure. Bellamy stomped past her without a second glance, and she heard another door open and close. The painting of the naked lovers flew through the door, landing on the carpet beside Fiona's head. Bellamy stormed into the rooms one by one, throwing the art out into the hallway. Soon he'd amassed a pile of landscapes, portraits, and some truly oddball pieces. Fiona's eyes fell on a painting of a cat wearing a silk vest, top hat, and monocle. It was part of a series of oil canvases, all portraying pets in Victorian clothing. Bellamy, Fiona began, staring down at the creepy picture. Has she ever actually gone into that painting? I don't think so. Why? Nothing, I just... Fiona looked up at him, struck by a sudden burst of inspiration. Do you have any more paintings? I think you're missing the point of all this. No, I'm not, said Fiona, pushing herself upright. Her shoulder ached in protest, but she was relieved that nothing seemed to be broken. I think I might have an idea. If Eleanor thought the lover's grotto was creepy, it was nothing compared to the cellar. The house that was the wind chime in had been built around the turn of the century, and it had a crawl space instead of a basement. There were no real lights beneath the house just a shop lamp on an extension cord. The floor of the crawl space was hard-packed dirt, and cool air wafted in freely from a sizable gap in the foundation. Basically, the place was a breeding ground for spiders and other vermin. When's the last time you were down here? Eleanor asked in disgust, picking up a mousetrap between her fingers. A mummified mouse was caught under the rusty hammer, stiff as the piece of wood it had died on. I try not to come down here, Bellamy admitted, crouching above them near the cellar door. 
Apparently, he preferred getting soaked than actually venturing down there. I can see why, Eleanor muttered, flinging the mousetrap into a dark corner. What are you looking for? he asked Fiona, who was inching her way toward the back corner of the house. The perfect trap for the spirit. In the dim glow of her flashlight, Fiona could see a dusty stack of framed prints stuffed in a nook beneath the floor. Trouble was, there were only four feet of space at the crawlspace's tallest point, and it seemed to get smaller and smaller the farther back she went. Fiona disturbed a large cloud of dust as she tugged a painting free. The thing was covered in a thick film of dirt and grime. It was a painting of a bowl of fruit. This won't work. What exactly are you looking for? called Eleanor, who was exploring the opposite corner. The perfect painting. What the heck? Eleanor had just unearthed a plastic Santa that was faded from years in the sun. I don't think you'll find that down here. Oh, said Bellamy, who was checking his phone. I just got an email from my antique jewelry guy. You have a guy for that? Eleanor called. Uh, yeah, don't you? Bellamy shook his head as if to say he didn't know how the two of them got on in life. Anyway, he says it looks like the pendant might be a rare Renaud piece from the 19th century. Renaud? Fiona repeated. Why did that name sound so familiar? She continued to rummage through the pile of artwork until she found a portrait of Napoleon Bonaparte. He wore white stockings, a red jacket with a high collar, and a pair of matching breeches. On one hand rested a stack of scrolls. The other was tucked between the buttons of his jacket. Napoleon wasn't her idea of a Casanova, but he'd have to do. Eleanor climbed out of the crawl space first and offered her a hand. The three of them ran for the porch to get out of the rain, and Fiona remembered something. Hold this, she said to Bellamy, shoving the dusty portrait at him. She reached into her back pocket and produced a crumpled pamphlet. It was the list of items that had been up for auction, and a brief description beside each lot number. I knew I'd heard that name before, she exclaimed, reading off the paper. Antique roll-top secretary desk from the Renaud estate. Renaud? Bellamy frowned and pulled out his phone, typing in the name. As it turned out, Renaud was an annoyingly common French surname, but Renaud plus Colorado turned up something useful. The Renauds were French trappers who came to Canada before settling in Colorado near the turn of the 19th century, he read. One of the brothers made his fortune in pelts. The other was an acclaimed jeweler with a shop in Grand Junction. You think he made the pendant? Eleanor asked. It gets better, said Bellamy. Apparently, the family was mired in scandal. The trapper brother gambled his fortune away within just a few years. The jeweler brother was a known philanderer. Bellamy glanced up. He was married, I guess, and when his wife found out about the affair, she threw herself onto the train tracks. The real killer is that Renaud became famous for the cameo pendants he created in his dead wife's likeness. You think... I think she started haunting Renaud after her death, said Bellamy. And he trapped her spirit in the pendant, Fiona finished. Bellamy looked slightly deflated that she'd stolen his thunder, but gave a half-hearted jerk of his head. So how do we stop her from haunting your inn, asked Eleanor. We give her what she wants, said Fiona. A chance at true love. When they were finished setting their trap, the walls looked oddly bare. Bellamy had taken down all of the art in the entire inn, as well as most of the mirrors. They left one oval-shaped mirror hanging in the downstairs bathroom, where the woman's spirit liked to wail. They'd cleaned up the shattered glass in the honeymoon suite and stowed the paintings in the crawl space. 
all except the portrait of Napoleon. Fiona hung the painting over the giant half-moon jacuzzi tub and waited with her heart in her throat. The minutes ticked by in tense silence, and she started to wonder if her plan would work. Just when she was about to call it a night, she heard the shattering of glass from two stories down, followed by an agonized shriek. Eleanor had broken the bathroom mirror, and the spirit had nowhere else to go. She's coming, Eleanor called. Fiona's heart beat faster. A few seconds later, the woman's ghostly form darted into the portrait of Napoleon. Her ghostly form looked oddly out of place among the bright red of his outfit. At first, it seemed as though she might run from one end of the frame to the next, but she stopped in her tracks and stared at Napoleon as if he were the most handsome man she'd ever seen. For one arresting moment, Fiona saw hope in the spirit's eyes. Here at last was a man all on his own, a man for whose attention she wouldn't have to compete. In life, she might have had a hard time turning Napoleon's head, but he was frozen in the painting. At last the woman had another chance at love. At last her spirit could rest. Fiona didn't waste any time. Before the woman could realize what was happening, Fiona yanked the portrait off the wall and tossed a heavy blanket over it. She heard the spirit scream and protest, but Fiona knew she was trapped in the painting. Tucking the edges of the blanket around the frame, Fiona secured the cover with duct tape and stumbled out of the dark room with the portrait under her arm. Bellamy met her on the stairs and illuminated Fiona's path to the back door. The moon shone brightly over the garden as Fiona made her way toward the hedge. They'd already dug a sizable hole in the corner of the yard. Fiona carefully laid the painting in the hole along with the cameo pendant. She began covering the bundle with dirt. The spirit didn't make a sound. Cut off from the paintings and mirrors she'd used to move about the inn, it was as though she'd lost her will to fight. Or maybe she'd finally found her happily ever after, which would allow her to rest in peace. As Fiona finished filling the hole, the lights came on inside the inn, and the downpour lightened to a sprinkle. The lights cast a golden halo into the garden, and Bellamy stared up at the inn with a slightly deflated look in his eyes. "'What's wrong?' Fiona huffed as she tamped down the dirt with the back of the shovel. "'That Art Deco headboard was one of a kind. I found it at an estate sale in Albuquerque,' Bellamy sighed. "'Looks like I'll have to shut down the honeymoon suite until I can replace the carpet.' touch up the paint and get a new headboard at auction. No, said Fiona, no more auctions, no more estate sales, no more antique malls, no more old writing desks with haunted pendants, at least not until you give Wesley a free weekend in the lover's grotto. You owe him that much. And you owe me an angel food cake for taking care of your spirit problem. I guess, said Bellamy with a heavy sigh. Speaking of that writing desk, it's not really doing it for me. I need something a little less clunky, you know, for my muse. He brightened suddenly. Want to come with me to auction next weekend? I could use your opinion. You think Wesley would let us borrow his truck? That brings us to the end of Black Cameo, which is a short story from the Witches of Mountain Shadow universe. I hope you enjoyed it. As I was rereading it, I realized that the angel food cake debacle that was caused by the spirit, um, I actually got that story from my grandma, who uh, she always talks about when she was making angel food cake, and it just fell right down flat as a pancake on the counter. So I stole that little bit uh, for the story. 
But anyway, I will see you all next week. Happy reading. <laughs>